Amen. So here you are, continue our study in Galatians. Those of you joining us online, good morning to you. Great to have you with us. Those of you listening to the audio message, and of course, those of you here present, great to be together again around Galatians, standing on what? Grace. And today is part three, and it's called Faith Alone, faith alone. And I wonder, um, how many of you have had time to read through the book of, of Galatians? Uh, hopefully by now, most of you have done that. And I wonder what your thoughts and feelings were as you went, as you read through that book. As I mentioned in part one, this book is liked by many and disliked by many. Uh, not everybody has the same opinion about this book. One of the arguments against this book is that it is too intellectual and a little bit difficult to understand. A book that makes you think. Now, I, I don't know what you felt as you read the book, but even I, when you just sit and you read the whole book, especially if you do it in one sitting, some parts can be a little bit eh, difficult to chew because Paul is going all over the place. He's making this argument, but he's going back in history and he's going to Abraham and he's talking about this and about that and, and a lot of Jewish stuff, circumcision, big thing about circumcision. And, I, and us guys, we get worried and you read about circumcision, like, must we do it to be saved, you know? And so Paul is going on and he's arguing and he's angry and sometimes he's being almost rude. It's a crazy book, man. And so it is a little bit, you know, a bit of a, a difficult book. Even the apostle Peter would agree with you if you think it's a difficult book. You know, you remember he, Peter and, and Paul had a big argument about such matters, about faith and, and salvation by faith alone and so forth, and not bringing, you know, the law into salvation. And, uh, and obviously, you know, they did make up. They did become friends and make up after that, because later Peter writes about Paul, and, and, and in his second letter, Peter says the following, Paul's letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which, listen carefully, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Wow. Now, Peter has been a little bit sort of confrontational, yeah? He's saying, listen, Paul wrote some good stuff, but sometimes it's difficult to understand. In those difficult parts, there are some people who distort. Why do they distort? <laughs> because they are ignorant and unstable. Now, when he's thinking about unstable, he probably read Paul's letter to, to the Galatians because that was the problem with the people in Galatia. Many of them were unstable. They're here today and they're tomorrow. One day they love Paul, the next day they want to kill Paul. And, and actually, yeah, stone him. But it, it, it's, it's crazy. And so Peter is, is referring to, to Paul and he's agreeing some things that Paul wrote were difficult. And that is because Paul is using his academic background and his training as a rabbi to support his argument. It is a very good intellectual argument. But it will make you think. <laughs> and, and sometimes we like to come to church or, or read the Bible, but we don't want to be made to think. You know, people come sometimes and say, Pastor, you, you really made me think today. Uh, as if saying, Pastor, I didn't come to church to think, man. Why would you make me think in church? <laughs> but you know, we should think. The Bible is not a book for children. And it's a period that many adults stop reading their Bibles. They think, oh, it's for the kids. It's not for the kids. 
The Bible has many important, profound, deep things in it. It's a book for adults. It's a book meant to be read and studied continuously. And reading this book, and reading Galatians particularly, will make you think. Not everything will be familiar to you. You may have to go and dig a little bit more and and go and do some history study and and go and find out a bit more about the culture of the day and of the Jewish people to make sense of everything that Paul is saying. And hopefully this series is kind of helping you to get a bit more of that background, you know, and, and understand a little bit more why Paul is saying what he's saying and, why, and understand why is he going on with the law and circumcision and so forth. So Paul continues in Galatians in chapter 3. And again in chapter 3 his passion flares up again. You see Paul coming up full of emotion again. And he continues talking about faith alone. The fact that salvation comes by faith alone. <laughs> faith alone and not by the works of the law. You remember the background? Every time Paul, he, he was pre- establishing these churches in Galatia and then these Christian Jews, but they were false teachers, would come along because to them, they couldn't accept the fact that just by faith, people can get saved. Come on. They've been obeying the law for hundreds of years. And then Jesus comes and they find salvation. But surely salvation must come to those who have been faithful to the law, right? You get circumcised and as, a, as a male and men and women obey all the Jewish laws and everything else. And then when Jesus comes, he finds you worthy of his salvation. Makes sense, right? Well, to those false teachers, it made sense. And so they went around preaching that. And this freaked Paul out. They couldn't understand. How can these Gentiles, these non-Jews, just out of the book, they've been sinning their whole lives. They didn't know the God of Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They've never been circumcised. They've never done anything according to the law. Now they come, they hear some preacher preaching about Jesus. They believe in Jesus. And now they saved just like that. Uh-uh. Paul did not teach you the full gospel. We are coming to complete the gospel. And you're going to add a little bit of Moses' law. So, gentlemen, if you're a Gentile and you have not been circumcised, come line up. We are circumcising you today. So that you can be fully saved. Hallelujah. And, of course, memes have gone around and I've received one or two. uh, You know, imagine those guys that believed in these false teachers. And they went to get circumcised. And then the Sunday after they come to church and there is Paul's letter saying, you must not get circumcised. Oops, too late. Imagine those poor guys. But that's what the law does. It brings people into bondage. And these guys were putting people under bondage. And Paul, this whole letter is dealing with that. Listen to his opening statement in chapter 3, verse 1. Yeah, yeah, Paul is being very loving, pastor, gentle, embracing his congregation. And he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Oops. Imagine a pastor like that. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Verse 3. Are you so foolish, After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Now, that's a passionate leader speaking, huh? 
He wants to get his message across. He's not here to please people. He's here to bring the message across. Make sure the people understand that salvation is by faith alone. Hallelujah. You cannot work to get saved. You cannot do things to become worthy of being saved. Jesus paid the price because none of us, no matter what we do, will ever be worthy by our works to earn salvation. That's it. Let me read you a, a paraphrase of the first three verses written by a, a Bible scholar and teacher. He tried to capture the, the, the meaning, you know, of what Paul was saying in the original. And so here it is. You stupid Galatians, who has hoodwinked you so that you no longer act on what is true? Your eyes were fastened, fixed on Jesus Christ by our vivid description of his death by crucifixion. Just answer me this simple question. When you first experienced God's spirit, was that because you had done what the law demands or because you believed in what you heard? Right? Then, have you gone out of your minds? Having got started by the natural power of God's spirit, do you think you can reach the finish by the natural energy of your own constitution, your own works. Hmm. And then Paul makes reference to Abraham. See, that's where he starts jumping around. And if you don't, you, you need to kind of follow the man to make the link with all this argument. Remember, those false teachers were what? Jewish. Okay? And part of the congregation was Jewish. And now, the people of Galatia, they knew because they lived together as a mishmash of cultures. You know, Romans and Greeks and Gauls and Jewish people. And, and because they all lived together in that area, they knew about each other's cultures and backgrounds. And so the, the church in Galatia, when Paul starts talking about Abraham and circumcision and law, because they had lived with Jewish people, they understood. Even today, if you have Jewish friends, you will become familiar with Jewish law because still today, Jewish people keep still many of the laws. You know, the Sabbath, the Friday night, you know, meals, the, 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 the holidays, the circumcision, certain eating habits. Till today, they keep it. And so back in those days, the guys understood, understood their history. And so they understood and Paul begins to talk about Abraham and so forth. And so he makes reference to Abraham. Paul goes to the root. Because these preachers are Jewish, and because some of the members were Jewish, and they were now counting on the law for their salvation, Paul goes to the root of their culture, Abraham. Because all Jewish people consider themselves as Abraham's children. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then comes the nation of Israel, and so we are Abraham's children, says every Jew. And so Paul goes right down to the sore point, the center, the root of the Jewish nation. How many of you have ever sang that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Yeah? Many sons. All right. But you're not a Jew. Why are you singing that song? Now you're going to find out why. Because here is the theology behind that song. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Check this out. Just as Abraham believed, Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, there it is. Just as Abraham believed God, and watch, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay? Righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith, 
are sons of Abraham. Interesting, he doesn't say only those who follow the law of Moses are the sons of Abraham. No. He says, first of all, that Abraham believed. Abraham was justified. You know, to be found righteousness, okay, righteousness means to be justified before God, to be free before God, not to be condemned, okay? And, and so Abraham, he, he says, he believed God. He believed the promises of God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And therefore, only those who are of faith. You see, it was faith that made Abraham a righteous man. Faith that made Abraham a righteous man. That's it. Listen, when Abraham believed in God, there was no law of Moses. In fact, the law only came 430 years later. It's what's written over there that Paul declares that. 430 years later, the law came. So, there was no law for Abraham to practice to be justified before God. He was justified by his faith. Yes, he was circumcised as a sign of the covenant that God made with him. That you would give him a, a certain piece of land and, 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 and that was a sign. The circumcision was a sign of that covenant. But it wasn't circumcision that justified Abraham. It was his faith. Say faith. Okay, faith. <laughs> And, and so he says, in the same way, we are justified by faith. Just like Abraham was justified by faith. Okay? And because Abraham was justified by faith, everyone, including the Gentiles, everyone who puts their faith in God is a son of Abraham. So you don't have to be a Jew. You see? And, and that was a problem that the Jews had. They thought that because of the law that they practiced in the circumcision particularly, that's what made them sons of Abraham. And Paul, Paul is saying, you foolish people, it is not the law that makes you sons of Abraham. It's not circumcision that makes you sons of Abraham. Anyone who believes in God, anyone who puts their faith in God, anyone who puts their faith in the promises of God, those are the children of God. Hallelujah. And I don't care which nation you come from. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. You put your faith in God. You are a child of Abraham because you are a child of God in the first place. Amen? And so Paul explains that the works of the law, all the works of the law are under the curse. Because if you are under the law, guess what? Then you have to keep all of it. And if you break one law, the curse is upon you. Check this out. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. This is what Paul was referring to. And it says there, that's what Moses said. Whoever doesn't obey every word of these teachings of the law will be cursed. Now, you and I know, nobody could keep every law. We can try. We can try and keep some of them. But if you break one law, then you are cursed. And therefore, the law brought a curse. Because no one could keep nor can keep the law. We spoke a little bit about this last Sunday. Amen? Spoke about, you know, when the cop catches you because you broke one traffic rule. Doesn't matter if you've kept all the others. You're going to be nailed, man. <laughs> all right? And that's how the law works. So 
If no one can keep all the laws all the time, then why did God give the law? If he knew the people could not keep it, why bring this curse upon them? Well, it was a temporary addition, okay, to his promise to Abraham until the Redeemer came. It was given because of sin and because of man's lawlessness. And, you know, when you, are, when you live far away from God, you sin without thinking it is a sin. Think of some of your friends who are not Christians. Think of some of the things they do, some of the things they say, some of the things they believe in, and they say it so naturally. They, to their mind, it is not wrong. To their minds, to express themselves in that way, it's not wrong. It's the way they grew up. Well, some of them, it's part of a cultural background. It's part of a, another religious belief. To them, it is normal. But what does God want? The God, the creator of heaven and earth. What are his rules? What, are, what is his plumb line? So God had to reveal to us. And so he gives the law to restrain sin, okay, and to make life more livable. The wrongdoing of humanity had to be exposed for what it was. And it had to be kept under control. So law reveals sin. It is like the, the straight edge by which our crookedness is measured by. All right? When you build a building, you need a plumb line. You can't just start stacking bricks all over the place. You need a plumb line, and you need to build according to that. Otherwise, the thing is going to fall. And in our lives, in our moral lives, in our decisions, we need a plumb line, the truth. And God reveals what his plumb line is, what he demands, what he wants. And when we start looking at that, we go, my word, that's a lot. We, we talk just about the Ten Commandments, for instance, okay? The Ten Commandments, you know, it's very well known. And we, again, I touched on it last Sunday. Have you tried keeping all the Ten Commandments for a week? Especially with, when Jesus comes and he, and he kind of modifies a little bit the interpretation of it. It becomes almost impossible. Not almost. Impossible to keep it all the time. And so that's the plumb line. And so when we, when we look at how righteous God is, we go, oops, I don't measure up to it. And that reveals to us the need of a redeemer. That helps us to understand that we cannot save ourselves. That helps us to understand that we need Jesus. And so Jesus came so that he could take our crookedness, uh, what, what we are missing. He could forgive us and help us to connect with God because no human being can save himself. The covenant pointed to Jesus. When God spoke to Abraham, he spoke about your seed. And Paul makes it clear that that seed that he spoke to Abraham wasn't all, all the descendants and all the Jewish people. No. That seed referred to one specific descendant, one person, and that person was Jesus Christ. The law was like a, a guardian bringing up a child. There were many rules and regulations put in place because God was trying to, to use this nation to, to show the world what can happen when you, when you follow God. We dedicated a child this morning. I'll tell you what, for the next 18 years, that child is going to be exposed to a lot of rules that in his home. The parents are going to say, don't do this, don't touch that, don't go there, don't, 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 don't. Ah. But as the child grows and matures, those rules are going to become less and less. And one day, 
the child's going to be mature enough, he doesn't need those rules. He knows that the stove is hot. He mustn't touch it. He knows the rules of the road. You'll know how to cross the road. The parents don't have to rush after him when he runs out into the yard. With all of us, remember your childhood? All the rules? No, mom, can I? But you were being trained. And hopefully today you've got a little bit of sense and you can do life on your own without all the rules. But in the same way, those rules were given to reveal to us the will of God and to guide us until the fullness would, would come. Once Jesus came, there was no need for the law to justify a person. That thing falls away. And now you need to have faith in the good news, in other words, the gospel, that Jesus has died and paid the price for all of your sins. He rose again. He is alive. He'll return one day. The law of Moses or any other religion cannot save you. <laughs> you cannot be good enough to earn your salvation. But if you put your faith in Jesus, the good news is that you will be justified. In other words, you'll be made right with God. Are you okay with God? Remember last Sunday? Are you okay with God? And I hope you've been thinking. You know, I am okay with God. I am not okay, but I am okay with God. Pastor, why do you say you're not okay? I'm not okay. Sometimes I lose my temper. Sometimes I don't want to do what I should do. Huh? I'm not okay. None of you are okay. But I'm okay with God. Why? Because my faith is in Jesus. And so when God looks at me, he sees the work of Jesus for me. And so God says, Paul dear, you're okay. <laughs> we, I can work with you. And this situation is a relationship which grows and continues. Amen? Grows and continues. The law of Moses cannot save you. You cannot be good enough to earn salvation. But this righteousness in Jesus is available to everybody, Jews and Gentiles. And that is why Paul says in verse 7 that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Only those who are of faith. Faith alone in Christ alone is the only way to be justified. I, I, I want to read to you from Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. Remember uh, on the first part I told you guys that this book was Martin Luther's, the great reformer. It was his favorite book. So let me read a little bit a uh, commentary around this, this verse. It says, let us begin with Abraham and learn how this friend of God was justified and saved. Not because he left his country, his relatives, his father's house. Not because he was circumcised. Not because he stood ready to sacrifice his own son Isaac, in whom he had the promise of posterity. Abraham was justified because he believed. Because he believed. Paul's argumentation runs like this. Since this is the unmistakable testimony of the Holy Writ, of the Scriptures, why do you take your stand upon circumcision and the law? Was not Abraham, your father, of whom you make so much, justified and saved without circumcision and without the law, by faith alone? Paul therefore concludes, they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Amen. By the way, does anyone know what day is tomorrow? 
Tomorrow is a great day in the Christian calendar, particularly amongst Protestant churches. Tomorrow is Reformation Day. Tomorrow marks the day in which Luther nailed his 95 Theses on the door of his church in Wittenberg in, in Germany. Uh, Martin Luther, he was a priest, a theologian, a professor, and an author. And he nailed those, those theses because he was defending the faith, like Paul is doing here to the Galatians. In his day, the, the year was 1500, and the day was 31 October, actually, uh, of, uh, 31 October, actually, of 1517. 1517, okay? Uh, and so it marks, tomorrow is the 504th anniversary of the Reformation. He nailed those 95 theses, it was 95 biblical arguments why the church at his day was doing wrong things. His main beef was that in 1500, the church was selling salvation. They needed to finish building Paul's Basilica in Rome, and so they were selling salvation. They're saying, come, buy your salvation, and, and the minute your coin, you know, drops in the box, you know, the soul will spring to heaven, and, and Paul and, and Martin Luther was freaked out by this. Being a professor and studying the Word of God, particularly the book of Galatians and the book of Romans, he wrote his 95, and all he wanted was a discussion. He wanted to get together with other priests and other theologians and let's talk about this and let's bring some correction to the church. Instead of a conference, it ended up in a worldwide transformation. And we thank God for that because that released the Word of God. It brought the church back to the Word of God. The Word of God started being translated and printed and spread out throughout the world. We went back to salvation by faith alone, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, amen? And that scripture is our only foundation for our belief, amen? So that, that's, that's tomorrow anyway, but let's move on. What I want to do now is I want to give you a diagram of Galatians, okay? A diagram. I, I like pictures. I understand things better by pictures. And so this is a visual which will help you understand and remember the book of Galatians. David did this. David uh, Paulson, he was a, a prominent British Bible teacher, uh, and he used this diagram when, when teaching on the book of Galatians, and it, it helped me, and I hope it will help you as well to make a, a better sense of the, uh, of the book. So, uh, there is, in this diagram, it shows what this is, this, this is your, your, your life in the spirit, okay? There is only one place in that diagram which is pleasing to God and where you are totally free, and that is right there on top of the mountain, okay? Spirit freedom, okay? You are under the favor of God the Father because of your faith in the Son and uh, Jesus Christ, and so you've got freedom in the Lord. And over there, you are free, but you, you run the danger of slipping into either of these two sides over here. And if you lose your freedom in Christ, you run the danger of either sliding there to that side and coming under the law, okay? And the minute you come under the law, because you cannot keep the law, you come under the wrath of God. The other danger... You're, you feel so free that you feel you can do anything you want and you allow your flesh. And so you, you fall onto this side of the year and because you are sinning, you are breaking God's rule, you also fall under the wrath of God. 
But now, this, this picture here, it, it, it's not a hill. This is more like a, a, a ridge. And so I want to show you a picture of a, of a ridge, a mountain ridge. And this is the Helvellyn striding edge in, in, in Britain. Uh, can you see it, it? And people use this. And, and there's some people. There's some people over here. There's another guy in a blue shirt on, in the middle over there. I don't know if you can see it from far away. But people use this. They, they come and they walk along. And you, you've got to walk along the edge on top. And you've got to be very careful because if you're not careful, you're going to slip down one side or the other. But there's a narrow path on top and it's, it's apparently very beautiful, great scenery. And, and so people love to come in and walk along uh, this ridge. And, and this is a, a, like, a, like your Christian life. Jesus said, narrow is the way, right? <laughs> it's a narrow path on top, but you can walk. You can keep on walking. Sometimes you've got to hold on a little bit, but and you've got to be careful not to slip down to the sides. But that is a, a similar to the Christian life. Jesus said, narrow is the way, all right? So let's get back to the diagram of Galatians. And now you understand that this top here, it runs along that way. And you're supposed to keep on walking in the freedom of the Spirit. Now, legalism and liberty in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, I'm reading you from the Passion Translation. It says, and so that we would know for sure that we are his children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. Some translations say Abba, Father, Abba being the, the, the Hebrew word for daddy, all right? Now, we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can assess everything our father has. For we are heirs of God through Jesus the Messiah. Amen. If you can go back to the, the picture again. So we are to, of the diagram, please. You see, so there you go. That, that's the freedom of the spirit. If you fall back into, into the law, in other words, into legalism, we get into a prison. We go into a, a prison. Liberty, here in the middle, this is living under the favor of God. Freedom in the spirit. And Father, Son, and Spirit give you the freedom of standing on that mountaintop. You've got relationship with God. You can talk to God anytime. And, and, and you're in a process of being changed and transformed. There's this, you know. But, and that is faith alone. Faith alone. You're not trusting in rules to save you. You're just faith in Jesus Christ. But the picture also shows there are two ways of, of slipping off that mountain. And the one is legalism. Depicted over there with, with a cage. Because when you get into legalism, you are trapped in. You are under the wrath of gain. And of course, license. License is when you are in the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Can you see the, God, the warning over here? It says, you are free, but be careful that you don't slip over to the other side. License, if you're living license, if you allow the flesh to get to you, what happens is you become a slave of your own desires. You get in bondage to your flesh. Your flesh tells you what to do. 
You, you know, you, you don't feel like following God, you don't feel God, but it's like, oh, no, God will understand. I, I don't need to do this today. And, and so we have to stay on top of the ridge. Can go back to the diagram. We have to stay on top of the ridge. Okay? The, mo- the moment we move towards legalism or license, we are not living in freedom. And therefore, we are not pleasing God. We only please God when you're on top there, on top of the ridge, and walking carefully. Now, don't let your liberty make you ignore godly principles. I think we've made a very clear case about legalism. And over the next weeks, I'm going to go a little bit more over to you and show you how still today, 2,000 years later, we as Christians still easily fall captive to legalism, to the law. Maybe not Jewish law, but other law. And I'll show you some examples. The other danger we have is to running into license, license. And we have to stay on top of the ridge. Don't stretch or abuse the grace of God by giving place to the flesh. So what happens is this. We come here from legalism and all the rules and regulations. And, and we go to the top and say, yay, I don't have to keep the law anymore. I don't have to do these things. I thought that to be a child of God, you had to attend church every Sunday. I thought to please God and to be a child of God, to be saved. You've got to give your tithes exactly every month. And to be a child of God, you've got to work in the church. And to be a child of God, you've got to, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And da, 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 da. But now I realize, hey, I'm free. Faith is all I need. Yay, hallelujah. And what happens is you go right over the top and you shoot over and you fall into the flesh. And we say, oh, that's lacquer. I'm free. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to give. That's under the law, man. Tithing is for the old days. I don't have to give. Man, I don't have to go out there and tell people about Jesus. I'm free, man. I, hallelujah, I believe. And see what happens. We go from one extreme over to the other. And believe me, we are doing this today as well. This pandemic has caused and allowed Many people to slip onto the flesh side. They've understood, I'm not under the law. But they've slipped over to the flesh side. Which is a a swamp over there. And how are people doing this? They are allowing the comforts of this world. And the pleasures of this world to hold them captive. Many Christians. And this we watch, it's not just in South Africa. And not just in our church, but this is, is a pattern in most churches around the world. Every week, I'm getting emails and reading news from other parts of the world, and people are saying, hey, I'm not coming back to church. I'm comfortable at home. And they'll go to parties. They'll go shopping. They'll go to work. They'll go to the work, socials at work, but they won't come to church. It's better to stay at home and watch online with my cup of coffee. Now, some people cannot come to church. I'm not talking about those guys. There's, there's, there's genuine reasons to stay home and have your coffee. You're going through a difficult patch. You're going through work, whatever it is. But I'm talking about many people that just have made a decision, eh, I'm, I'm okay, yeah. I have to go meet people. And people yeah, 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 yeah. I'm comfortable, yeah. But the Lord wants us to go and meet people. And those of you that have watched online and then have come yet, there's a difference. It's great to watch at home and you can worship God and, and the word can touch you, but there's nothing like us being together over here. And so some people are using that. Some people have lost their financial discipline 
Because they're not here, they forget to give their tithes or their offerings, you know, just slipping away, slipping away. Ah, God understands. I'm not under the law. I don't have to do this. And, and people are slipping away. Many people get into uh, substance abuse. Many people get in, in, into, into a situation where they stopped or don't want to get involved in church. Uh, stay away from people. Stay away from people. And, and listen, we, we, the church goes on. This church is continuing. Actually, uh, uh, it's, next month we're going to be making a call for volunteers. We need fresh volunteers in all of our departments. Okay? Um, ushering, coffee, you know, working with the youth, working with kids. We, we're going to need volunteers. And I want you to start considering this because you're going to be calling out and I want you to think, where can God use me in this church? You see? Because church, you see, to walk along that ridge, we need each other. It's not a solo walk. Nobody goes on that ridge alone. Because if you slip and and you get caught in a funny crevice, you need somebody to help you up again. And sometimes we get caught. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we need somebody just to give us a little bit of encouragement to continue walking along that ridge. And so be very careful of being loners and walking alone and thinking you can do it on your own. Even you introverts. I know that us introverts, we like being alone. We like doing it by ourselves. But we all need Jesus. We all need help. We do need each other. So come on, guys. Let's be alert to that. Don't let our freedom push us into license. Don't let your liberty make you ignore godly principles. You need to continue sharing the gospel. Okay? It's part of our life. So, let's not stretch and abuse grace by giving place to the flesh. So, how do you know? How do you know when you are slipping to one side or to the other? What can you do about it? That will be the subject of next week's message. So, don't miss it. Be here and you'll continue then. Amen. I hope this has been enlightening to you. We continue our journey in Galatians next week. Amen. Until then... Walk by faith alone, in Christ alone, based on Scripture alone, and enjoying the grace of God. Amen? Let's stand up and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you again for the exposition of your word, which sets us free, Lord, and yet it gives us guidance so that we can walk on that narrow path and enjoy life, be fruitful in the kingdom, Lord God, make a difference in other people's lives, be faithful to you and to the principles of your word. So, Father, help us as we continue the study to understand the full picture, Lord, of what it means to walk by faith, what it means to enjoy the grace of God, Lord, what it means to be a child of God that is pleasing to God, a true son of Abraham, Father. So I pray, Father, that as we go into this week, Lord, your people glorify your name, whatever they are, Father, in school, at work, in, uh, whatever they are, Father God, help them, Lord, to bring glory to you, your name by living a life in relationship with you, Lord Jesus, listening to your Holy Spirit, being led by you step by step, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. So now, my love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of you as you walk day by day in relationship with Jesus. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful week. See you Sunday. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.